Welcome back, friends around the world. You are once again listening to the Podcasting Guild, Babylon 5, with your hosts, Eric, and the ever-present yet slightly hungover, Andrew. It's his birthday, Wh- by the way. Why are so you throwing dispersions my way? I'm not hungover. Well, it's your birthday, so there you go. If I was, it would be justified. Yes. It's my birthday. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Eric. Yeah. And for your birthday, we have what is known as perhaps the best. No, okay. I got that wrong. Sorry. The worst episode of Babylon 5. (laughs) I mean, is it known? Is this a? Is this another episode beloved by the fandom that I just don't like? Or <laughs> if if we go onto the Babylon Wiki, is it like this episode is pants? And this episode is it. widely regarded as, as perhaps pants. the worst episode in Babylon Five, uh, so <laughs> and it's bad. on your birthday. Excellent. It's so bad. This is going to be a short, you know, like honestly, the bad episode should be the best episodes of our podcast, but I don't know. I, this wasn't even like so bad. It's good. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So maybe. if you look it up on IMDb, this is like a full point below every other episode okay. in the history of Babylon 5. And the best episodes are like up 9.6, 9.7. Some of the mid, mid-tier mid ones are high sixes, low sevens. This one's like a 5.4 on IMDb or whatever. Okay. There you five, go. Four still sounds generous to me, but all right. <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We won't be too hard. So before we get into the actual episode, as sons of the 80s and 90s as we are, we may take Indeed. for granted that TKO was once part of the Zetageist. <laughs> but my wife had no idea what TKO could possibly stand for. So these, uh, I would now like to read to you her guesses <laughs> for what the title of this episode may have been. She did take, make all these guesses before actually watching the episode, but they're still great. All right, here we go. TKO, Total Kangaroo Overload. <laughs> Tortoise kilt organization turquoise kinetic octopus and turn computer over if you spell computer with a k there we go (laughs) those are the things that we are pretty sure tko stands for in this episode of babylon 5 i think any of those may have been a better episode of babylon 5 that was the actual episode title and it went by the episode title yeah. Especially Total I, Kangaroo Overload. That Total Kangaroo Overload is very strong. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine you know, Londo dealing with a bunch of kangaroos jumping through his, his apartment? That I would watch that. I would watch that 100%. <laughs> yeah. Turk, uh, tortoise Kilt Organization isn't bad either, you know? Yep. For them Scottish tortoises. <laughs> of which there are many. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's that's that. Let's move on to the <laughs> mealy potatoes and cold meat of <laughs> the episode. Yes, yeah. Season one, TKO. Here we go. Which TKO. plot to talk about first? 
Well, we can just go right into it because they start on the same beat with both the main plot drivers or protagonists, I suppose, of each plot appearing where else but in customs together. Guest protagonists, yes. Yes. Yep, yep, that's true. So, okay, sorry, spoiler alert fans i watched this episode by accident many many <laughs> weeks ago and i did not deem it a good use of my time to re-watch it so you know i got my notes i got my memory for whatever that's worth not much <laughs> uh we're gonna do our best but i do remember that both of them yeah enter the episode getting off a not a space plane uh <laughs> yeah dc 10 to be exact yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah we got we got rabbi mick (laughs) rabbison and walker smith the guy with two last names disgraced boxer come to compete in the legendary i feel you know maybe the writers just got out of uh, you know, enter the dragon or something. <laughs> and you know, when you watch Kung Fu movies, you you come mm-hmm. out just like feeling like you're a Kung Fu master. Yeah. And yeah. like, I bet, I bet the showrunners came out of the theater and was like, oh my God, we need to have, we need to have a forbidden martial arts tournament in Babylon 5, <laughs> guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this episode needs came to be out. forbidden. Wait, why would, why would they have a, competition that's forbidden to humans hosted on a <laughs> space station run by humans shut up you just shut up you weren't you didn't see what i saw you didn't see how gently moves man all right all right sorry eric i cut you off what were you saying well i was just gonna make note that this episode came out in 94 95 uh-huh. oh, yeah, um, so this is yeah but still, this is like prime Jackie Chan years, right? Oh, and sure. a bunch of other kung fu movies were really big in this time period. Mortal Kombat came out the following year. And everyone remembers how awesome the Mortal Kombat movie is. Maybe we should do a review of that. Oh, my God. I unironically <laughs> loved that game, that movie as a kid. I was like, this is the best movie ever. Why don't they play it on TV all the time? Yeah, so uh, very much in the zeitgeist, as you pointed out, the whole kung fu, you know, martial arts in general were becoming a big thing in this this era of movies, and I think to lesser extent TV, because they had the the Highlander series going on around this time, and a few others that incorporated some uh, martial arts. And yeah, you know, I that actually makes a lot of sense because this this episode felt like it was it was coasting you know it was like look we got we we got an underdog fighting his way up a tournament bracket like Uh you don't need anything else it's gonna be great everyone's gonna love it yeah you know we can do fiddler on the roof in space with our (laughs) b-plot it'll be great yeah and i think we've already kind of given the plot away to the audience today i mean i think we're both in agreement this is probably not the best Babylon 5 episode, to be sure. And I think with the episode here, it's it's clearly a filler episode, right? The most we get from this episode really comes from some of the character development that we see uh, in Ivanova and, to a lesser extent, Garibaldi. Yeah, so we can just dive right into it and kind of go through 
what is there so there yeah go. so ivanova is i think she gets like interrupted reading a book or something yes and funny observation the book that she's reading is a fake biography of one of the writers from wow. uh, babylon <laughs> 5 funny. slash star trek <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah yeah so so this rabbi comes and greets her and you know it's not there's definitely not like a shortage or you know an absence of jewish representation in media which is why it's especially perplexing why they went with like the most stereotypically like like straight like they just pulled him out of fiddler on the roof or you know like <laughs> he's he's this russian rabbi and look i've i've i know uh, several rabbis none of them look or talk like this guy <laughs> and you know i get it the backstory he's russian it makes sense he has a russian accent like i get that but again you know the writers didn't have to make that who the character was but <laughs> yeah he's just uh yeah he's he's real just just like going through life yeah giving out sage advice and that is true to life all the all the rabbis i know love <laughs> love giving out advice but yeah so he's definitely from the old country there's no indication like i want to see i suppose ivanova is an example of jews in space and i suppose they can't take too many liberties with depicting an actual real world religion you know and like changing it further so you know i get it okay i understand why they didn't they didn't do something crazy with it but uh i would have at least liked to see someone who felt like a real person mm -hmm. and uh i don't know i don't know it's it's i guess i can't complain about the stereotype too much because there are real people who who dress like that and of course eastern european europe had a large jewish population and large jewish diaspora and so like there definitely are people out there who look like that and dress like that and and maybe even talk like that when they speak in english but like it still is a very <laughs> a very you know caricature version of what a rabbi is like yeah i think that's a, a fair assessment to be sure and it's actually interesting because when you think on it we don't get at least in terms of sci-fi right we don't see that much depiction of real world religions in sci-fi a lot of times it's made up religions not too often do we see depictions of real world religions in a lot of sci-fi which I, I think to your point meant that they had to kind of stay within the the lines right to a degree uh, and unfortunately as you point out you very much end up with a caricature in this case although they probably could have done better about that um, but it just got me thinking about how other real world religions have been portrayed in science fiction that just don't come across too many examples one that comes to mind from recent times is how the mormon church is portrayed in the expanse i'm not sure if you got oh, yeah. through that far of the expanse but uh yeah the mormon church is is very much well i mean not a huge part of the story but they definitely portrayed a bit in the expanse in interact with a couple mormon missionaries who, who apparently made that's a good example yeah yeah you're right you don't really i'm, I'm like trying to think through 
I read a, a book a long time ago called The Sparrow, which is mm-hmm. about Jesuit missionaries discovering alien worlds. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly... But um, that's definitely not like <laughs> a popular thing that everyone knows about. Yeah, no, there's not that many examples. I can't yeah, think of another anymore. one I can think of in book form is uh, A Canticle for Lebowitz. I don't know if you ever read that one. That's like a post-apocalyptic no, one, though, where basically a Catholic monastery or, or, or brother is trying to rebuild the Catholic church. Or I, I can't recall the entire plot, but yeah, <laughs> it's a fascinating look. And it's like post-apocalyptic Earth, right? So it's only barely touching on what real world, what real world Catholicism is like from that <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no comment, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, you know, okay, so outside of the the rabbi character and him being turned to 11, rabbi turned to 11, <laughs> other than that, I, I, I found the rest of Ivanova's plot not that interesting either. So basically, it's the... The rabbi discovers that she hasn't sit Shiva for her father and deduces that that means she hasn't mourned him. And it it turns out that like she doesn't forgive him for not, I don't know, supporting her or something. Although the one scene we did see with him, he was being very supportive. Mm -hmm. He did say, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't a better father and, and whatever, but... You know, I feel like this is the kind of thing where some flashbacks might have might have done them some good because yeah. it just felt like such a so okay, all right. And not only that, but she doesn't want to sit Shiva. She's like resisting it the whole time. And when and, and again, sitting Shiva is not like some magic Jewish grief ritual that completes the mourning process and now you're fine like Mm. i don't know it was just a little weird how how weighted this decision was and like i i guess you could say as a rabbi what else is he gonna do but like (laughs) yeah he was going to her boss asking off on her behalf and really really not letting it go Mm -hmm. and she is being really resistant to it again in, in like for not really well articulated reasons and then in the end, he starts leaving, and that's enough for her to be like, oh, okay, I will do it. Mm. And so, A, I didn't feel like they should have had her father, you know, you're dead to me, right? Or something like that. Do something dramatic when she joined Starfleet and it was betraying the family. Her just kind of feeling like he didn't really support her enough. Yeah. Just is not, this is not a meaty hook. Yeah, you know, for the to to get the audience invested. Yeah, and honestly, it, it gets the feeling of a very paint by numbers, a uh, a child that won't forgive their parents for past traumas, right? Something that I, I think, think that, we've yeah, seen. That's exactly right. Yeah, something that I think we've seen in a lot of not just sci-fi, but in a lot of dramas, to be sure. I think that the story that's told is 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 still affecting. But it's very much a paint by numbers story from that standpoint. But yeah, I, you know, I thought it was <laughs> funny to an extent the the rabbi just trying to interject himself into Ivanova's life, uh, right? Uh, I, I myself. Oh yeah, he was a busybody. <laughs> yeah, he was a busybody for yeah. sure. I definitely know people um, of the of the kind that do that for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, and, you know. Yeah, but that's basically the whole plot. She she didn't want to sit Shiva. He wanted her to. And then for no discernible reason, she changes her mind and finds closure, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, nah, not, not a great. So that was the, call that the B plot. The A plot at least had some some hands being thrown hands being thrown yep that was mr walker smith disgraced boxer an old friend of garibaldi mm-hmm. and by the way you know his backstory right he was in the running for the world championship and he's as good friends with garibaldi and garibaldi doesn't know about his celebrity friends an infamous fall from grace and doping scandal he's just like oh what's up with you oh wow wow former championship contender who was on the cusp of fame and fortune i had no idea (laughs) (laughs) this dramatic events in your life it's like wow garibaldi not a good friend not a good friend not great on keeping tabs on uh (laughs) on his buddies very true yeah, so then he he's come to Babylon 5 because hosting on Babylon 5 is the Muay Thai. Which is different from Muay Thai, just so we're clear. Completely different. Nothing in common with it. It is, an, in fact, an alien fighting tournament. Yes. Nothing in common yes. with terrestrial martial arts at all. I think... I, I think the guy who wrote this episode was the voice actor for Mojo Jojo <laughs> from Powerpuff Girls. Because the entire martial arts themed alien race <laughs> kind of talks a little like Mojo Jojo. <laughs> like, kind of this like exaggerated, you cannot compete in the Muay Thai. Yeah. It does... Humans are forbidden. <laughs> it's like, whoa, guys. <laughs> wow. Wow, 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 wow. You can't make a whole your whole alien race a bad, you know, accent impersonation. Yeah. It doesn't help that the actor playing the elderly Muay Thai guy is Korean. <laughs> and he chose to, to use that accent. <laughs> Or, yeah, no, yeah. and and the outfits, right? They're all wearing, mm-hmm. you know, what are clearly geese, right? Yep. Like you know, martial art outfits. So yeah, it none of it felt alien except for the ridges on their forehead. Yes, right. It was <laughs> that was the only sort of oh god, and everything had those two syllable names. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh god. Uh, all right. Let's talk about it, Eric. We got to talk about it. This is our job. This is our life. Yes. It's our duty to talk about this. We episode. must inform the people of these things. <laughs> the, the, the public has a right to know. They do. <laughs> okay. So Garibaldi's like, they're not going to let you in. They don't let humans compete. And he's all like, I got to get my groove back. And so, of course, they're going to do it, right? Because what else are we doing here? Mm -hmm. So they go to the place and the guys, you're not allowed to compete. And also, I'm going to punch you. Yes. (laughs) And someone else watching this is like, it was very very the coach scene from Cool Runnings. (laughs) 
where you know he just over he's like you know i used to yeah yeah i used to do yeah so he so you know this guy is going to be it's not called coach it's called something with two syllables that's really dumb and i didn't (laughs) write it down i don't remember but you know i will be your cow now brown show rin you know yes show rin okay something like that (laughs) and do we get a do we get a training montage uh there's a bit of a training montage it's like a a little bit of sparring or something like that with a couple of the other guys i I think it would they could have done a little bit more with this i mean putting aside the obvious racial stereotypes not just with the jewish part of the story but also with the muay thai slash asian part of the story but the (laughs) asian oh yeah you read that as i was i was thinking like like east africa oh like the horn point yeah yeah, now that you met, oh, make no okay, that, yeah. but but I guess now that you suggest that they <laughs> might have been going for an Asian vibe, I can kind of see it. <laughs> All right, anyway, sorry, keep going. But I thought if they were going to go down that road, they could have made it interesting because this is another paint by numbers story, right? It's a disgraced former athlete jumping in with a quote unquote native sport or native thing getting their respect and becoming a champion in it right it speaks right. to the and whole you get the feeling garibaldi <laughs> is here simply to answer the question why is the camera filming this right yeah like why are we following this story oh it's garibaldi's buddy mm-hmm. that's why okay yeah. sorry i interrupted you again no no that's cool um <laughs> the the character of caliban the, the coach guy that he runs into we don't learn anything about him it would have been more interesting if he had like some ulterior motive into getting him in there. Like he was trying to usurp the other older leader guy or was trying to completely change it or something like that. Or, you know, he was yeah. just like a mobster trying to wiggle his way into things and take over or something, you know, at least make the story a bit more interesting than another paint by numbers sort of uh, cliche story. G- give it neither. Neither story really had any stakes. Yeah. Like, okay, this guy's trying to get his, career back and also teaches the martial arts aliens the value of what not being prejudiced or something (laughs) like he teaches them acceptance yeah it's okay but yeah there's no stakes yeah but I, i don't know what stakes they could add what stakes could they add to a martial arts tournament maybe walker smith to make it matter like there. we just got done with episodes where they found a planet-sized computer that's shooting missiles and lasers at the <laughs> ships around them, right? And like warships showing up on tense diplomatic negotiations. What are we doing watching a martial arts tournament <laughs> for a character that we that we only see in this episode? It just you're yeah, filler filler is right, Eric. It really comes down filler. to the fact that the TV company wanted 23 episodes a season, so we needed to make another one. And this They're is what like, they came we, up with. I only have 22 episodes in me. It's like, damn it, Jim. <laughs> damn it. The execs have our children. Yes. We need this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I do love how there's no humans allowed in the Mutai. And it's a totally alien thing, but also everyone there is just like casually speaking English. Well, of course. And you know, it's clearly not their first language because of how stilted 
they're they're speaking and mm-hmm. you know but yeah what is what is, also yeah let's return back to the question why the mutai is on babylon 5 right it's this like sacred or at least very important ritual tournament mm-hmm. why why are you hosting it on a space station that the only species you disallow from joining built why not do it on your home planet or on your space station right where there's right. presumably many fewer humans who will try to come crash your party <laughs> and it uh, it is also kind of funny Andrew. their outlook on humans with humans just being a relatively recent addition to the intergalactic stage, if you put it that way. And also them having gotten their asses kicked by the Membari 10 years prior. They're acting as though the humans are going out there and just dominating everything. When in reality, humans are kind of a mid-tier species still at this point. And so I don't understand how these aliens are have this much animosity towards humans. I would think they would have that kind of animosity towards maybe the Centauri, who are out there conquering other species all the time. But it doesn't make sense that they would have that animosity to humans. Well, be, be, since Mr. Smith winning ultimately makes them be like, you guys are all right, that makes me think that their animosity is because they don't think humans are good at fisticuffs. <laughs> and... Being good at fisticuffs is like a really big deal in Asian, Asian alien culture. <laughs> yeah, alien culture. Uh, it's alien to be clear. Alien culture. Yeah. Right. Right. It is alien. Is alien culture. <laughs> yeah. So you know you got to be good at fisticuffs. They thought we sucked at fisticuffs. Turns out we're pretty okay at fisticuffs, and so they're pretty okay with us. Oh, that explains it. Yeah. One thing there I do go. want to know is that the fighting is actually not half bad in the, in this. You know, it's actually somewhat realistic aside from the giant jumping spinning kicks, which again kind of common in kung fu films of the era. No, I did. I didn't mind the actual fighting scene. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought they were. I thought they were passable. Yeah. Certainly better than most Star Trek fights. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any double-handed axe handles to the back of the head, which is nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, the 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 expected quality of fighting in any media has just like exponentially increased. <laughs> right? I mean, like, you know, the I'm not the first to point this out, but just compare the Jedi fights. Oh yeah. From the original trilogy to like whatever's coming out now. I mean, the original trilogy looks like two old <laughs> like, British men. Which is what they uh, were. Which is what they were. It's true. Because <laughs> the actor that played... Um, Alec Guinness? Uh, well, no, Alec Guinness. Yeah, obviously Alec Guinness is British. But also yeah. the the actual person in Darth Vader's suit is is some British dude. And there's... <laughs> footage out there and by the way he didn't know he was going to be dubbed over yeah <laughs> by james earl jones when he was shooting those scenes so there's a few i've that i've uh, uh scenes i've seen where they have the original audio and not only in his british he has a pretty high-pitched british voice mm-hmm. 
Like, um, um, you know, imagine Darth Vader talking like this. Oh, my God, that was a terrible <laughs> British accent. But, like, you guys you guys can imagine what a high-pitched British accent did gentleman sounds like. Uh, and, yeah, he didn't know. He, he thought that's what Vader sounded like. Apparently, if this factoid is true, he he learned it attending the premiere. That doesn't sound true now that I'm saying that. They almost, I don't know, maybe they didn't tell him. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so two old British dudes swinging sticks at each other. Yeah. And now it's, you know, CGI Yoda pinballing all over the room. Mm-hmm. Even that reference is old, man. Yeah, 20 years old. I don't old. know what the new, yeah, I don't know what the new movies actually have. I haven't seen a lot of them. <laughs> okay, we're talking about Babylon 5, Eric. All right, quit, stop jawing about old Star Wars movies god i was gonna draw about old star trek and that whole fight scene with captain kirk and the lizard guy <laughs> oh yeah back oh i mean if you're going back to captain kirk yeah that was some proper fisticuffs yeah yeah og star trek was very pulpy it was super pulpy it, it, it like yeah next generation got cerebral and cue the demigod and they have to like sort of rehash human's philosophical journey and <laughs> captain kirk was just like, i'm gonna punch green aliens and kiss blue aliens and that's <laughs> what i'm gonna do that's what he does yep yeah <laughs> uh let's go all right so what else what else the guy in charge has a five head let's just say it he's got a lot of forehead <laughs> going on what else there was that one interesting alien character who had like a vertical mouth i don't know if you saw it It looked like a female character actor playing that one like in the crowd there's like vertical mouth that teeth which was cool alien design so there's that that's a cool a cool bit of uh yeah makeup just for an extra yeah imagine sitting in the chair for six hours not getting a line read at all only being on camera for like 10 seconds (laughs) yeah hour and a half in makeup and your parents can't even recognize you because they don't know what you look like in that makeup (laughs) like oh that's me is that really you i can't tell (laughs) oh yeah i can tell from your sideways mouth (laughs) that part was real yeah i have notes in here that make no sense to me like garibaldi (laughs) is on to him i don't know what that means uh there was that guy that tried to assassinate walker smith during the fight with a gun oh that's right that's right and oh man oh they just like oh well he didn't succeed so let's just keep going yeah yeah just move on i don't know i don't think i have much more to say about this episode eric like it you know i i'd like to apologize to our listeners for wasting their time <laughs> on this one unlike the other plot synopses and commentary we give on sci-fi shows from the 90s which are vital uh uses of all of our time very informative this particular one may not have been a particularly productive half hour i suppose you could you could call that as as one way to see it yeah there's that but you'll be happy to know andrew that there's only one way up from here because this is the worst episode of Babylon 5 in, in the continuity. You made it through. 
to the other side. You know, you you kept saying one of the worst. You didn't you didn't say the worst. So I'm I've got my eyes peeled. <laughs> got my eyes peeled. I wonder what the twenty fourth. You know, did did they write more than they needed and pick the best? Like what got cut? If this one got in, what got cut? <laughs> That's a fair uh, question. It's a fair right. question. Well, I don't know if I have anything else to say about Babylon Five. We could keep talking about you know well, Star Trek or Wars. Or if you want to talk about something else, did you hear the recent science news? Science news. Science news, yes, good. So yeah, they recently discovered an asteroid, or not an asteroid, but a meteorite that has the building blocks for DNA in it, which may not sound like a lot, but from a developmental standpoint, an evolutionary standpoint, what that really speaks to is the uh, idea that life came from outer space, right? And that maybe not here on Earth, but there's a possibility that it may have started as a result of meteorites hitting the planet and, you know, bringing those building blocks of DNA to the planet or other planets for that matter. And there's this theory or the, I don't don't know if it's a theory yet, it's probably still a hypothesis, but this supports the hypothesis of the, and this is the actual name of it, the panspermia hypothesis, Okay. which it kind of yeah speaks no to i've 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 heard of uh panspermia yeah no i think it's interesting and it it it's one potential answer to the question of so you know we, we know at one point the earth was inhospitable not just to life but to like complex molecules in general because it was very hot yes very hot uh, and life you know pre- DNA is all the you know huge stringy proteins right that are actually quite delicate in the in the scheme of things and if you get them too hot they just disintegrate. So there's this question: Well, where where came all these amino acids and proteins by which you can build things like DNA? Oh, shut up, kitty! All right, come up here. And basically, either they were able to develop in the conditions as Earth cooled down, or they came from from the outer spaces. You know? Yep. Yeah, and doesn't seem that unreasonable to me, honestly. Every large moon and planet has a long history of of asteroid and you know impacts. It doesn't seem crazy at all that some things may have survived in the cold vacuum of space that may or, or not survive because they're not living. It's just molecules complex enough that if you sort of mix them together and make the conditions right they can form yeah other complex molecules and and proteins and eventually one of them will do something (laughs) to sustain itself or replicate itself and there you go that's what life is yeah that's a cool theory yeah yeah, and I think this Very is, cool if I read the article correctly, it's the first time they've discovered these building blocks in a non-terrestrial rock or form. The first time they discovered a meteorite to contain these building blocks. And to be clear, they're building blocks, not actually DNA strands or anything like that. They're 
no, no peptides no. and things like that that could eventually form, as you mentioned, into DNA, given enough time and right circumstances. Um, I thought that was really fascinating that they discovered this, which is kind of cool. That is very cool. I like I like you bringing the science news. What what do you what do you get science news on, Eric? What do you, what do you look at? Do you just like? <laughs> well, I have a variety of sources actually. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> what do you what do you <laughs> what are your sources, Eric? I was just no, I, I'm I'm not trying to grill you. I was just asking, <laughs> like, what do you do? You have a place that gives you cool astronomy news, or does it just show up on your, you know, whatever social uh, you know, media feed a or few, something? There's obviously you know NASA's has regular astronomy news. Go figure. But, you know, I, I follow various science pages on social media and other areas. And also have various uh, news applications that I refer to as well, which I tend to have a separate section just for science news, which I think, you know, I like to stay on top of those things or at least stay, try to stay informed on them. Um, oh, sure. And just to, you know, it also gives us a little bit of a unique hook for our show here because we have our science news section. Not many shows do no, that. I love that. So. I love that. And, you know, I've, I've said it before, but one of the great things about sci-fi shows like this is it does get people interested in space and the scientific frontier, at least one part of which is in space. Yeah, I thought it would tie in nicely yeah. with our show to have a little bit of actual science news, which would be cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. And I love the I love the science-y theme song <laughs> you put together. That's actually the, uh, if you guys listened to the previous episodes, you may have heard a little... Uh, news drop that we have now um, that's actually the isn news drop <laughs> that you hear in the tv oh, show is it? Yeah. so when isn comes <laughs> out nice. you hear that in the background so we're not part of isn there you go awesome what, what good benefits oh yeah 401k Competitive. and everything yeah oh beautiful <laughs> all right good stuff eric thanks for the science as always you are welcome sir Yep. Okay, friends. Well, we're going to wrap up today's episode a little shorter than normal, but this is what you get when you review the worst episode of Babylon 5. So there you have it. Our next episode we'll be watching is episode 22, Legacies, which is the penultimate episode of the first season. So how about that, Andrew? We're almost going to wrap up the season here. Yeah, wow, it's hard left. it's hard to believe we're we're getting close. No, it's not. No, it's not. We've been on season 1 forever. Yes, two episodes 20, left. 20, 23 episodes is a crazy long season. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's exciting and, you know, yeah, the, the, this episode was a was a downer for sure. Most of the uh, episodes this season, I would say were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll have plenty of time to do a season recap in the near future. And keep in mind, friends, we will be watching Galaxy Quest uh, at the conclusion of this season. And we're probably going to end up with a couple of stipulations in there, like maybe two drinks minimum to watch the episode of Galaxy Quest. So, <laughs> How are we going to send up a show that's, that is itself sending up <laughs> all these tropes? Well, if we do it drunk, that might do the, do the trick. <laughs> Oh my god. Alec Rickman. It, it might be my favorite Alec Rickman performance. Yeah, Sam Rockwell is pretty awesome Quest. in it too. I love Sam Rockwell in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Okay. All right. 
We got to eat our broccoli first. Two more episodes. Two more episodes. Then we have Goddess um, Quest after that. And then. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us again, everyone. Till next time. A good eating to you. A good eating to you.